Good morning. Have a seat. So the title this morning of the message is A Vision for Prayer in 2013. I want to give a little bit of background for that. Um, maybe kind of give you a glimpse into to the, the, the elder's world. Um, we don't, I don't believe that, that we sat down and said, okay, what, what do we want to guide our people towards in 2013? We didn't. I don't know that that question ever was, was raised in an elders meeting. Um, God began to kind of, the three of us, just individually thinking and, and renewing our own individual hearts towards prayer. And it was just sort of born in that. And in and, and those individual hearts, God moving us towards prayer kind of morphed into this what, what you're going to see for the, for the month of January and, and beginning this morning, this vision for prayer in 2013. Um, I believe that there is no greater tool in the hand of God than prayer to, to change us. And not just prayer. And, and we were talking about that this morning. We, we gather back there at 930 and, and pray every morning, every, every Sunday morning. And not just, dear God, something, amen, but consistent and fervent prayer. Uh, and we'll talk about what consistent prayer means and, and give some ideas for that. But, but ultimately, there's no greater tool in the hand of God than consistent and fervent prayer to change you. And this, this prayer initiative that, that we have, that we're pushing forward, this, this call to pray in 2013 is not, don't be confused, it's not to grow this church. It's not to serve this community. It's not to do anything other than connect our hearts individually to a holy and wonderful God. There are ramifications of that that we could talk about for days. Growing the church, serving the community, all those things would happen if God were to, to change us and connect our hearts in, in beautiful, abiding, communing relationship with him. Those things happen. But ultimately, this call to prayer is for no other reason than to connect our hearts to God. And then let everything else shake out, whatever happens. Maybe that means connecting your heart to God and sending you to Alaska. I don't know. All I know is God has called us as elders to model this in prayer and then to, to speak and, and, and teach and guide and shepherd North Church to 2013 being a year where we're on our face desperately and consistently praying to God that he would commune with us. Since We'll talk a lot, especially through the month of January, about what that means, what that looks like, and, and stuff. But ultimately, that's what it gets down to. We want to connect our hearts to God's. Um, Ian Bounds, and this is sort of the, the thing that's been wrestling in my mind. Ian Bounds wrote a book for pastors about prayer called Power Through Prayer. And it's, it's a book that I read every year at least once. Uh, in that book, he says this, the man... God's man is made in the closet. 
I'll just that to sit on you for a second before we get to the second sentence. The man, God's man, is made, made in the closet. God is making you, forming you, shaping you, crafting you. And it, it happens in quiet, solitary prayer. Second sentence here. His life and his most profound convictions are born in his communion with God. In my head, this is the, the trampoline that, that we bounce off of and jump into 2013 here. God is making us, and he's making us in our silent, silent solitary prayer closet. And the most profound convictions, what he will guide us to do and be, will happen in our communion with him. Real quick, I want to give you three opportunities for us, to, for us, North Church, to pray corporately. We'll talk about corporate prayer and we'll talk about individual prayer, mostly individual prayer. We'll get to that in the, kind of the, after we, we do this. But here's opportunities for you to join us in prayer corporately. Every Sunday morning at 9.30, we pray right behind those partitions. Sometimes it's me and Dave and Ben. Sometimes it's me and Ben. Sometimes it's Dave and Ben. And, and there's several others that join us pretty consistently. But for the most part, a, a big number is five. Um, I want to invite everyone to come and do that. Uh, please, just come and join us. My what I've been silently praying, and I prayed out loud in there this morning, is that someday soon we would have to break up in four or five groups because there are just too many people. Right there on kids' chairs, we pray 9.30 every morning, every Sunday morning. Join us. Corporate prayer, asking God to come and dwell among us. Second thing is Thursday nights. Men gather at John Joe's house for prayer. Um, what that looks like is a time of prayer, a time of sharing requests. Ben kind of leads that and, and does a, a quick, short teaching, and then prayer happens. Thursday nights. If you want more information about that, find Ben after the service. It's where we gather and pray. And third, and lastly, there are corporate events that happen in prayer in our church that haven't been born yet. That God is birthing that event in your mind right now. All right? So you have my permission to tune me out for a while and just chase that thought. God may be birthing something inside of your brain to pray. Maybe it's monthly, maybe it's weekly, maybe it's on the internet, maybe it's in your living room. Whatever. Let God shape you. Those are our opportunities to corporately play. Sunday morning, Thursday nights, and whatever he's birthing in your mind. And if you don't know what that looks like and you want to hash that out, you know my Twitter, my Facebook, my phone number, my address. I'd love to chat with you about it. Love to, to engage that with you. But God is calling us, 2013, to pray corporately. Uh, so what does this vision for prayer look like in 2013? Turn to Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at a, a, a few quick verses about Jesus and how he prayed. First, uh, let's, let's read those verses. And he prayed consistently. Verse, or chapter 22 of Luke starting in verse 39. It'll be on the screen as well. <clears throat> Again, this is, Jesus is about to die here. Um, he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. 
just before he's arrested. Verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom. A lot of times we, we come to the, to the scripture on the Garden of Gethsemane and, and praying in the Mount of Olives. We come to this wanting to know what Jesus prayed, and, and we, we know that Jesus is about to die, and we, we pass over this really important parenthetical insert here. And he came out and went, comma, as was his custom. Jesus went to the same place consistently and prayed. If I ask you, where's your consistent place of prayer? Would you, would something come into your mind? By the way, not rhetorical. Would something come into your mind? Who's going to be the first one to say yes or no? Audibly, yes. Thank you, Amanda. Would something come to your mind? Kitchen, work, car? Jesus had a customary place of prayer. In 2013, what we want to lead you to, and this is very careful about as how we're doing this, and it's not just, hey, let's pray. But instead, hey, let's pray, here's some tools. Here's some modeling. Here's some things to pray for. Here's how to pray. Here is some ways to do it. Here, following Jesus, in a crucial moment in his life, he went to his consistent, customary time of prayer, and he brought his folks with him. And they sat, and they prayed together, and they prayed alone, and the disciples fell asleep. Customary, consistent prayer. That's what I want to lead us to, and lead us to this consistent prayer. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete and a coach, and so I want to teach my son to, to play basketball, and he's learning to play. He's played his first basketball game yesterday, got another one this afternoon, and, and he, he doesn't understand. He's never done it before, and so what I've told him is I, I, he wants to, to shoot two-handed, and if you know basketball, that's no good. He likes to shoot like that. You're supposed to shoot one-handed and flick the wrist, pick the cookie off the cookie jar. I'm coaching right now, all right? And so he wants to just fling it like that, and he's not really strong enough to get it to the rim to shoot it above his head. So he starts from down here. He just flings it up there, and it's like a rock, just throws it up there to the backboard. It's no good. He's never going to be any good that way. So what I tell him is lay down on a rug, on a, on a floor in, our, kit, in our, our living room with the ball and just flick it up. It doesn't have to go more than a foot out of your hands, but get that consistent because you need to, to know when, when the game is on the line, when you get the ball and you just have a half a second to get a shot off, you need to have muscle memory consistency to be able to make a good shot, right? Prayer. Consistent prayer. When the game is on the line, when stress is, is pushing in on you, when you just have half a second to get the shot off, you need to have consistent muscle memory of prayer. This is what it means to pray. This is what God is pressing in on us as elders to lead us to in 2013, consistent prayer. Not just we're about to eat, I think it's time to pray. Not just I woke up this morning, it's time to pray. Consistent prayer where we go to a place and we take a familiar posture, kneeling, standing, face down, laying down, whatever, 
consistent prayer. Muscle memory. This is what God is calling us to. Second thing is alone. Let's read the rest of, let's start over in verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, his consistent place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 41, here's the alone part. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw. I don't know. 50 feet? I, I, I don't know. Just, he withdrew from them and he got alone. This is the prayer for us to direct us to. Not just consistent, but alone. Having time alone to sit, to meditate, to think, to pray. And can I, can I be real and honest with you? It, prayer is not always, dear God, blah, 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 amen. Prayer can be this. Get alone with God and allow him to, to shape and move and guide your thoughts. Sometimes just sit there. Clear your mind. Say, God, move my mind. Take my mind to the place that you want it to be. Alone. This develops intimacy, and you can have freedom to sing. My prayer, my consistent prayer, a lot of you know it's, it's in the shower. Every morning I get in the shower, and, and I pray. And when I'm alone, I'm free to sing. I'll spare you this morning of, of what that looks like for me. But it, sometimes it's, it's quiet. Sometimes it's really loud. Sometimes I get so worked up, I forget the words, and I just start, and it doesn't make any sense. But being alone brings freedom to that. You're not, you're not bound to your insecurities. Get alone with God and sing and, and even argue. Do you realize that? Here's your pastor saying 2013 is a time of prayer, and one of the things you can do in your prayer, in your alone, still quiet moments, is to argue with God. Wait a second. God is almighty. He knows everything. Why would we argue with God? Scripture is filled with it. Moses, yelling at God. Moses, angry with God. It happens all the time. David, the Psalms are filled with it. Look at, leave through the Psalms one day, and every other Psalm is, this is like schizophrenia. You're great. I love you. Where are you? Psalm 32, Psalm 33, that's what they are. You're great. I love you. Wait a second. Where are you? Where have you gone? Argue with God. Get alone and argue with him. And, and when you're alone, your insecurities fall away. Are you confident enough in who you are to argue with God when you're next to me? Maybe. I don't know. Get alone with God. He wants you to connect with him. 
You can make mistakes. You can read. You can be repetitive. You can meditate. You can find a psalm and read it and read a single sentence over and over and over and over and over again. Bang it into your brain. Into your brain. Find your place, a consistent, quiet place where you can go and be alone with God. This is the vision for 2013, to be consistent and to be alone. And again, this isn't, I want you to know, this is, God has directed us as elders to lead us in this, and now God is, is giving us the tools to make it happen. This isn't just, hey, let's pray, there's the door. This is, hey, let's pray, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to be consistent, and we're going to be alone. The second thing is we're going to do it sacrificially. It means a lot of different things sacrificially. Since, I don't know, sometime in the beginning of November, I've been waking up 45 minutes or so early before I have to. And, and for me, that is sacrifice. I, I said it a couple weeks ago that I like love sleep. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. I try to do it every day. Um, but God is calling it because there, there is, there's a beauty that happens in sacrificing to prayer. Because at the heart of prayer is this, God, I need you to move. I, it's, it's a statement that I am dependent upon you. And when we physically sacrifice to pray, we are speaking that with our beings, speaking it to God and speaking it to ourselves, and we begin to understand. And when, I, when the alarm goes off 45 minutes early, I have a choice to say, you know what, I can pray later today. I have 30 minutes in my car, on my way to work, that I can pray. I can just turn this off and sleep another 45 minutes. I can do that. And I can rationalize it to myself that I'm still praying. And I'll be honest with you, I've, I've done that more than once since November, since God said, pray sacrificially to me. I've done it more than once. Turn my alarm off because I said to myself, I was up late last night or something happened. And I got a big day today. And, and so I I'm not going to sacrifice today. And then God presses in on me the, the, you are not independent. You are dependent. And so that teaches me to be dependent upon God. And some days when I wake up 45 minutes early to pray, I'm miserable through the day because I'm tired. I'm not going to lie to you and say, every time you sacrifice for God, you're never tired. That's nonsense. Some days, though, maybe it's supernatural, maybe it's not. I don't know. Some days, it's like I slept until noon. Sacrifice. And Dave's going to talk in the next couple weeks about fasting. And this, this is where we get these ideas that, that prayer is one thing, and it exist in this circle, and fasting is another thing, and it exists in this circle, but there's an overlap in the two. Fasting is a desire to commune with God. Prayer is a desire to commune with God, and I think they go together, and I think we're, we're calling us, this initiative to pray has a lot to do with that. Fasting, and Dave's going to talk more about that in the, coming, in the next couple of weeks. 
what fasting looks like. But ultimately, what fasting is, is sacrificing in order to commune with God. And that's what we're calling us to in this prayer initiative. And, and fasting doesn't always have to be food. It can be sleep. When I wake up early, 45 minutes, I'm fasting from sleep with the intent that that will draw me to a place to connect with God. Maybe that means turning the television off. Maybe you're fasting from the TV. Maybe you're fasting from Facebook. That's a popular thing. Fast from social media, whatever. But the intent is to sacrifice what you want or maybe even what you think you need in order to connect with the heart of God. We're calling us to pray sacrificially, consistent, alone, and sacrificially. This is what it looks like for us in 2013. The next thing is to model. This is something that was also very intentional. In November, I began to do this, and then the, the other two, Mike and, and Dave, connected with me in November to do this, to begin to pray consistently and alone and sacrificing. And we were very intentional about it. And then the first part of December, I connected with all of our deacons and said, the elders have been praying consistently and alone and sacrificially through the month of November. Would you join us in the month of December and pray? So what we're calling you to, what I'm calling you to today, is something we've been doing and has been being modeled for you by your elders and by your deacons through November and December. So what does that mean for you? How do you model this? Maybe the person sitting next to you God is kind of, maybe, maybe not, maybe. God is going to have you model this for them and come alongside them as an encouragement, as a strength, as a, hey, would you join me every Tuesday morning at 5.30 in my car outside of Starbucks and pray? Maybe God will lead you to model that. I've been praying every Tuesday morning at 5.30 at Starbucks. I pray for 30 minutes, and then I go get a cup of coffee, and then I go to work. Would you come and join me? I've been modeling this. Would you come and, and, and come with me? Just like God pressed it upon us to lead the deacons, and then the deacons to lead all of us. Modeling this. Maybe God is calling you to model that for somebody else. God is pressing in on you to do that. So we're going to do these things, pray consistently, pray alone, pray sacrificially, and, and model prayer. Last thing, let's get practical. What is it, what to pray, how to pray? First and foremost, allow God to direct this. Your elders are here to shepherd you in this, but God is here to direct you in it. If you want some direction, we'd love to help you with that. But ultimately, if God is... Well, not if. God is pressing in on you to spend 2013 seeking his face, communing with him. Allow God to direct that. Tomorrow morning, wake up and ask God what that looks like. As you go to bed tonight, lay your head down on your pillow and ask God, what does that look like? And then sit in silence and let him direct. But here's some tools for you. There are um, four books that I... I think are fantastic. Two that deal specifically with prayer and two that aren't really about prayer, but they really are. I'll explain that. The first one is a book called Everyday Prayers by Scotty Smith. I, I found this, uh, I, I, I hope that some of you caught this tweet that I've sent out on New Year's Eve about this book. It was free on Kindle on New Year's Eve. And basically it's every day 
there's a new, there's a new prayer. It's, it's rooted in scripture and it reads the scripture and then talks about the scripture and then forms a prayer every day. There's one for each day of the year. And as Jen and I are going to bed, I'm, I'm reading that there's prayer to us and, and we fall asleep together. I'm sure it's, it's cheap. If you buy the Kindle edition, you can put it on your phone or you can buy the hard copy edition. It's a, it's a beautiful book. It's, we've, we're six days in now and, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing of prayer. So this is a great opportunity, a great tool for you, all right? Um, secondly, A Praying Life by Paul Miller. You guys have probably heard me say that before. It's, it's a fantastic book that really is, is the best book that I've read on a gospel-centered prayer and, and teaches you what it means to have a praying life. Um, one of you, somebody has my copy. I'd, I'd love to lend it to you, but I lent it to somebody, and I don't know who's got it. So if, if you have it, finish it, and then give it back to me so I can give it to somebody else, all right? If you don't have it, if, if nobody here has it, I'll keep looking for it and keep asking me for it, and I'll let you borrow it when I find it. Uh, three is Humility. This is a book that it's not really about prayer, but it is about prayer. Humility by Andrew Murray. About, I don't know, three years ago or so, we did this in community groups. We read through this book, Humility. And ultimately, what prayer is, is humbling yourself before God. And so, without humility, you cannot pray. Did you hear me? Without humility, without a confessed, known need and dependence upon God, we cannot pray. And this is a book that guides us to that place. If you come to prayer filled with pride, you will come to prayer and fail. It will not root in your heart. Humility is key and it's crucial. And this book and any book on humility, any passage on humility, brings us to a place where we are ready to pray. In the last book, Abide in Christ. It is back there. I do know where my copy is, and I wrote my name in it. But you're welcome to, to take it and read it and bring it back or give it to somebody. All right? It's Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray. It's back there. Abide in Christ. That's what we're moving towards, this abiding, communing life with Christ. This is what prayer brings to us. And it's a tool for us to use. Uh, Secondly, what to pray for, how to pray. Pray less for people, their illness, job, relationships. Pray less for that. Do you hear me? Pray less for people and more for an inner change of heart and dependence upon God. And this is something that I think we graduate to as we press into God. It, it, something that, that experientially for me ha, has, has come true. When I, when I first started sacrificially, consistently alone praying in November, it was three or four different things. There's, there's a, a, a close friend of mine who's got cancer and he's wrestling with it. And, uh, you know, just peace in my home and, and for for Jen and the kids and, and for Mike and Dave as elders. And that's, I was praying for those needs. And it sometime gradually morphed into, God, would you change my heart? 
And, and whatever that looks like for you, start praying for people. I don't care. Just, just pray. But I think what God will begin to do when you're alone and consistently praying and fervently praying, he shapes and changes it. And it's less about, God, would you change a particular circumstance? And, and it changes from, God, would you change a circumstance? Would you, would you, and, and ultimately, when we're praying for people, that's what we're praying for. My friend needs a job. Change his circumstance. My friend needs a cure for cancer. Would you change his circumstance? My wife has had a stressful day. Kids are crazy. Would you change her circumstance? Would we be less consumed with that and more consumed with connecting hearts, communing with the Father? That's that's where we're headed. Pray less for people, more about an interchange of heart and dependence upon God. For men, many times, for me, my own heart, it's these two things. It's lust and it's selfishness. Guys, you're probably just like me. You're probably lustful and you're probably selfish. And I beg of God to show me where this is true and root it out and take it away. In my shower, as the warm water falls on my, on my head, I'm just like this water is cleansing me, cleanse me from these things, God. Ladies, it's probably gossip. It's probably being catty. Pray that God would cleanse you of that. It's all rooted in selfishness for all of us. Change our hearts to to not want to serve self, but serve God and serve people. And this is the inner change of heart that I'm talking about. This is not praying about people's, people's circumstances, but changing our own grotesque hearts. And allow God to convict. Allow these prayers to direct your mind and direct your heart. Turn to Psalm 32 for the last thing. Read the Psalms. How to pray. This is the most important one of how to pray. Read the Psalms. There's a day of the week, every week, read that psalm. If today is March the 8th, read Psalm 8. If today is February the 12th, read Psalm 12. Or get creative. If today is February the 1st, January has 31 days, read Psalm 32. Follow? You might have to do a little math for that one. (laughs) Or just get a calendar and write it. Y'all have... Smartphones, most of you put it in there. Psalm 32. Let's do this practically. Let's read Psalm 32 together as a prayer. Because ultimately, these are what the Psalms are meditations of the heart of David for the most part. This one, Psalm 32, it says, A masculine of David. A masculine is just a song. This is what David sung to the Lord. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. What it means to pray a psalm, sometimes, for me, on this day, when I read this one for the first time, I didn't get past verse 1. Blessed 
And a, a blessing is not finding 20 bucks in a sidewalk. A blessing is an opportunity to seize a moment to connect with the heart of God. An opportunity for you to connect with the heart of God is to realize that your transgressions are forgiven. Wait a second, I said transgressions. This says transgression. What this is connotating, let's look at this. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. It's a specific thing. So, connecting, for, for me, when I read this psalm, when I prayed this psalm, I saw that. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. And my mind instantly went to a moment in time where I chose selfishness over servanthood. And I confessed that to God, and he connected my heart with him. And I had a beautiful day. This is what it means to pray the psalms. For me, it was stop right here. There's going to want to be part of you that wants to go throughout and read the whole psalm and pray the whole thing. Sometimes it means stop, listen, pray this phrase, pray this word. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. The one whose heart is connected with a God is the one whose transgression is forgiven. The next day I, I continued Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And I continued to confess my sin before God out loud. For when I kept silent, when I tried to ignore my transgression, when I tried to ignore my sin, when I tried to hide it from God, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Do you see that? What's here? God is, is directing our hearts to these prayers. And, and the beautiful part is there are, there are hundreds of psalms. You're never going to read them all. And Psalm 119 is like 3,000 verses long. So you, that was really long. It's not really, but it is really long. Verse 4. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the heat of summer. Remember, he's talking about when he wasn't confessing his sin to God. This was the result. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I didn't try to hide it from you. I said, I will confess my transgressions for the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Does your verse say Selah right there? You know what that word means? That was really important. Stop and think about what you just read. It's a good period to stop and go and pray that. I tried to hide my sin from you. I tried to cover my iniquity, and it didn't work. My bones wasted away. And so now I say to you, God, you've covered my transgressions. Thank you. Stop and think about that. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of the great waters, they shall not reach him. The pressures of your life will not reach you when you are consistently praying and connecting your heart to God. That doesn't mean your circumstances will be perfect. It means the heart of God will cover you, will protect you, and become, verse 7, your hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. 
You're a hiding place for me. This is a great verse to just stop and be with for a month. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. This is me putting a tool in your hand. This is God putting a tool in your hand. Pray this. Meditate this. Own it. Love it. Wrestle with it. Argue with it. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding. Don't be stupid. Or it will not stay near to you. You hear me? Do you hear Paul? Are you hear David talking here? Don't be like a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near to you. Who wants God to go away? Raise your hand. Okay, we just found out how we can make him go away, so don't do that. Very practical. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Sing songs that would embarrass you if anybody heard. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is God giving us tools to connect our heart with him. This is beautiful. And this is what God is calling us to. In 2013, God is calling us to this, and God will shape and continue to shape and connect our hearts with him, and we'll have this beautiful communion with him because the man, God's man, is made in the closet. His life and his most profound convictions are born in his communion with God. May that ring in our hearts for 2013. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the Psalms. Thank you for meditations for us to pray, to exclaim. I thank you for placing songs in our heart. God, I thank you for the words of Ian Bounds, God. That they would encourage us, motivate us to go and pray consistently and alone and sacrificially. God, would you teach us how to pray? Father, we want to commune with you. We want to connect with your heart. Would you make it be? Lord, I pray for those in this room. I pray for those that will hear this message we would be motivated, led to pray. God, we love you. We're dependent upon you, and we confess that. In Christ's name.